Welcome to Zion on this Sunday past A few things to share before we begin this morning. First, Nancy Fry wanted everyone to know that she has a new great-granddaughter. So she is very excited about that and asking for prayers for, for everyone. So keep, keep them in your prayers. Uh, also, just a personal thanks to everyone who contributed today. I know it was greatly appreciated by Denise and Greg's family, so thank all made it here and providing food and uh, it was so thank as we process this morning uh, we'll go up the ramp right and then we will turn right along that west wall and then circle our way around the church. Uh, and then, if you would like, you can lay your palms down there in front of the chancel. You know, just follow me. Uh, you're also welcome to keep the palms if, if you would like. All right, so let us begin here with, with the acclamation. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Of the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Said this, Jesus went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethphage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, hide and bring it here. If anyone say this, the Lord needs it. And departed and found it as he had told them. Why are you on? Then as he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path of olives, of the disciples began to praise God joy loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace and heaven, glory in the highest heaven. Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Is you, O oh God. Today he entered the holy city in triumph and was proclaimed Messiah and King by those who spread garments and branches along his way. Bless these branches and those who carry them. Give us grace to follow our Lord in the way of the cross, death, and resurrection. We enter life with you. 
the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Peace in the name of
as we now enter into the contemplation of the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ and meditate on the salvation of the world through his sufferings, death, burial, and resurrection, let us pray. Everlasting God, in your endless love for the human race, you sent our Lord Jesus Christ to take on our nature and to suffer death on the cross. In your mercy, enable us to share in his obedience to your will and in the glorious victory of his resurrection, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from Isaiah. The Lord God has given me the tongue of a teacher that I may know how to sustain the weary with a word. Morning by morning, he weakens, wakens, wakens my ear to listen as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I did not turn backward. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who pulled out the beard. I did not hide my face from insult and spitting. The Lord God helped me, therefore I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who are my adversaries? Let them confront me. It is the Lord God who helps me. Who will declare me guilty? The word of the Lord. We will intone Psalm 31, verses 9 through 16. Reading from Philippians. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, thought, who, threw, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, 
but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at that name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to put Jesus to death, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered into Judas, called Iscariot, who was one of the twelve. He went away and conferred with the chief priests and the officers of the temple police about how he might betray Jesus to them. They were greatly pleased and agreed to give him money. So he consented and began to look for an opportunity to betray him to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare the Passover meal for us that we may eat it. And they asked him, Where do you want us to make preparations for it? Listen, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks you, Where is the guest room? Where may I eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, already furnished. Make preparations for us there. So they went and found everything as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When the hour came, he took his place at the table, and the apostles with him. He said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he said, Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after supper, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But see, the one who betrays me is with me, and his hand is on the table, for the Son of Man is going as it is to be determined. But woe to that one who, by whom he is betrayed. Then they began to ask one another which one of them it could be who would do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. 
But he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, the greatest amongst you became like the youngest, and the leader like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? It is not the one at the table. It is it not the one at the table. But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you, just as my father has conferred on me, a kingdom, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your own faith may not fail, and you, when once you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. And Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the cock will not crow this day until you have denied three times that you know me. He said to them, when I, sent, when I sent you out without a purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? They said, No, not a thing. He said to them, But now the one who has a purse must take it, and likewise a bag. And the one who has no sword must sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you, the scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was counted amongst the lawless, and indeed what is written about me is being fulfilled. They said, Look, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he replied, It is enough. He came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and gave him strength. In his anguish he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down on the ground. When he got up from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping because of the grief. And he said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. While he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? When those who were around him saw what was coming, they asked, Lord, should we strike with the sword? Then one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, No more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priest, the officers of the temple police, and the elders who had come for him, Have you come without swords and clubs as have you come with swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? When I was with you that day, in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour in the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, 
Peter said among them, Then a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else on seeing him said, You also are one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then, about an hour later, still another kept insisting, Surely this man also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. At that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now the men who were holding Jesus began to mock him and beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, Prophesy, who is it that struck you? They kept heaping many other insults on him. And when day came, the assembly of the elders of the people, both chief priests and scribes, gathered together, and they brought him to their council. And they said, If you are the Messiah, tell us. And he replied, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I question you, you will not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. All of them asked, Are you then the Son of God? He said to them, You say that I am. Then they said, What further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the assembly rose as a body and brought Jesus before Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this man perverting our nation, forbidding us to pay taxes to the emperor, and saying that he himself is the Messiah, a king. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered, You say so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no basis for an accusation against this man. But they were insistent and said, He stirs up the people by teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee, where he began even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him off to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had been wanting to see him for a long time, because he had heard about him and was hoping to see him perform some sign. He questioned him at some length, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him. Even Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then he put an elegant robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. That same day, Herod and Pilate became friends with each other. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate then called together the chief priests, the leaders, and the people, and said to them, You brought this man as one who was perverting the people. And here I have examined him in your presence, and have not found this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. Indeed, he has done nothing to deserve death. I will therefore have him flogged and release him. Then they all shouted out together, Away with this fellow! Release Barabbas for us. This was a man who had been put in prison for an insurrection that had taken place in the city, and for murder. 
Pilate, wanting to release Jesus, addressed them again. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And a third time, Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found him to have no grounds for the sentence of death. I will therefore have him flogged and then release him. But they kept urgently demanding with loud shouts that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate gave his verdict that their demand should be granted. He released the man they asked for, the one who had been put in prison for insurrection and murder, and he handed Jesus over as they wished. As they led him away, they seized the man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, and they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed him, and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren in the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nurse. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, into the hills, cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others also, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by watching. But the leader scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be in paradise. Be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus then, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for the spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts. But all his acquaintances, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph, 
who, though a member of the council, had not agreed to their plan in action. He came from the Jewish town of Arimathea, and he was waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in a linen cloth, and laid it in a rock-hewn tomb where no one had ever been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested according to the commandment. Here ends the reading of the Passion of our Lord. Well, children, I'm going to invite you forward here for our children's message. Alright, so I want you to pick up a palm. So on this day, rather than sending you away with candy, I want to send you away with one of these palms. But first, I want to start with, what's the palm all about? Right? Why did we march in with these? What's the deal with the palms? Well, the Gospel tells us that Jesus had ministered for about two years. He was teaching people and healing people. And then in his final week, he goes to the city, the capital city of Jerusalem, and he rides in on a donkey. And the gospel tells us that the people were throwing their coats and their shirts down on the street so that the donkey wouldn't walk on the dirt, but would walk on their clothes. And as Jesus was coming into the city on the donkey, they're waving fonds of palm, palm leaves like this. They're waving them and they're shouting, Hosanna. They're shouting praises to God. Right, and why are they doing that? Well, in Jesus' time, this is how you greeted a king. Right, when a king or a general in the army who had just won a big battle, when someone important was coming to your city, this is what you did. You waved palm branches. Right, and so the people were saying, this is our king. This is the one we're waiting for. This is the one we want. We're celebrating because our king is coming to the capital city. He's coming to claim his throne. He's coming to be our good king and to reign over us. But what's interesting, what we just heard as we listened to the whole story, was that the same people in a matter of days are going to turn against Jesus. And they're going to say to Pilate, the Roman governor, Crucify him, crucify him, kill him. Right? He caused trouble. He stirred up trouble. He didn't respect the emperor. Kill him. We don't want him. How do they go from just one day celebrating as king to the next, just a few days later, saying crucify him, kill him? And that's the story of this week that we call Holy Week. Right? And today is this first day of this Holy Week, and we get into that story of how people go from celebrating Jesus as king to saying, crucify him. But here's what I want you to take away from today. No matter what the people said, no matter the hearts of the people and how they turned against him, the truth is that through the whole week, Jesus is king. Right? He was king as they celebrated him. On Monday, Thursday, this Thursday, we'll talk about how one of his disciples named Judas betrayed him, 
and had him arrested. Well, on that night, Jesus was still king. On Good Friday, when Jesus is crucified and when Jesus dies, he's still king. And then on Easter Sunday, God proves it without a doubt to us that Jesus is still king. And that's what this whole week is about. That's what today is about, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, about that simple statement, right? Jesus is king. Let us pray. Lord, teach us this week to see that your son is king and help us to follow our king. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, there really is no day on the church calendar quite like Palm Sunday, or as we call it, Passion Sunday. The day seems to shift themes right through the service, doesn't it? The service starts with joy and a sense of playfulness, right? Where we were all gathered there in the fellowship hall, we were chatting, the sun shining, a beautiful day. We march in, waving our palms, singing Hosanna. In fact, one of the clearest memories of church that I have as a young child is Palm Sunday, right? And it makes an impression because it's so out of the ordinary. It's so cheerful. It's so colorful and tactile. There's this physical connection to the gospel story that we don't have on most other Sundays, right? And we begin with this great sense of celebration. But then, how quickly does it shift? Right? How quickly do we go from shouting hosannas as a congregation to shouting crucify him? And Passion Sunday does this to us. It reminds us, first and foremost, that we cannot shortcut the cross. We cannot shortcut around Good Friday. We can have we cannot have only the celebration of Palm Sunday and skip Holy Week and then celebrate Easter Sunday without the cross. Indeed, they're all connected. And we certainly feel the shift in this service, and we're meant to feel this shift because that's what Holy Week is about. Palm Sunday is but the first day of this week, of this one event. And this week, the church remembers the victory of the Son of God over the dark powers that influence this world. Right, and many of us will be ready to hop with the world right into Easter egg hunts, to big dinners on Sunday, to new dresses, to tulips and lilies that bring the color to the season. Indeed, we're ready for the peaceful, joyful celebrations to get out of this cold, gray season. But what makes the peaceful, joy, joyful celebration possible? What makes our celebration possible is that the Son of God has taken on the darkest and most powerful forces of this world for our sake. This morning, then, we are invited to consider the suffering of our Lord. More than that, this morning invites us to consider how, in fact, we are responsible for that suffering. We're supposed to feel that responsibility today through the Passion reading, right? The whole reading of the gospel in a dramatic fashion is to make that point, 
that in some ways there's no difference between us and the people who would celebrate Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem and then who in a few short days will turn against him. The same force that compelled Pilate to give in to the pressures of the crowd compels us likewise in our sin to turn away from Christ. The same force that brought Peter to deny his Lord is the same force that tempts us to deny Christ when times become difficult. The same force that compelled Judas Iscariot to betray Christ often whispers in our ears that Christ is not really the answer to our problems. As the priests and scribes come to have Jesus arrested, they're carrying swords and clubs, and he says to them, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Holy Week calls us to remember this. There really is a power of darkness. There is a power active in this world that calls us to act out of fear, out of selfish ambition, out of hatred. Right? That evil is real, and we cannot understand the whole story unless we start there and acknowledge that the evil is real. And because it's real, Christ does enter Jerusalem, and he enters into Jerusalem so that he can overcome it and so that we can be saved from it. Indeed, Christ overcomes all forces of evil because he is the true king. One of the things that does not change during the Palm Sunday service, one of the themes that does not shift, is that Christ is king. The waving of the palm branches as Christ is riding on a donkey points to two things. Right first, there's a fulfillment of the Old Testament book, Zechariah, which says, see, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That illusion the gospel talks about and we know. The other illusion that comes along with the palm branches is one that you may not know, but that the people of Jesus' day certainly did. And it goes back to the book of 2 Maccabees, which we consider part of the Apocrypha, which means some of us have it in our Bibles, it's not scriptures, but the church has considered it useful to read. And so 2 Maccabees tells the story of the Greek occupation of Jerusalem, which was about 200 years before the birth of Christ. The temple in Jerusalem was corrupted by the Greeks who made sacrifices in the temple to Zeus, and they set up altars to the Greek gods around the cities. They were oppressive to the Jews. However, a young man named Judas Maccabeus leads a revolt against the Greeks who were corrupting Jerusalem. This young man, Judas, eventually defeats the Greeks, and he leads a free Jerusalem. But listen to how 2 Maccabees describes Judas Maccabeus' victory. Now Maccabeus and his followers, the Lord leading them on, recovered the temple in the city. They tore down the altars that had been built in the public square by the foreigners and also destroyed the sacred precincts. They purified the sanctuary and made another altar of sacrifice. Then striking fire out of flint, they offered sacrifices after a lapse of two years. They offered incense and lighted lamps and set out the bread of the presence. They celebrated for eight days. And carrying ivy-wreathed wands and beautiful branches and fawns of palm, they offered hymns of thanksgiving to him who had given success to the purifying of his holy place. Right? And in this story of, of Judas Maccabeus, 
they celebrate his victory in Jerusalem and his liberation of the city of Jerusalem from the Greek pagans by waving palm branches in the street. Right? What did the people who waved palm branches in Jerusalem when Jesus entered the cities expect to happen? Who did they think Jesus was? Who did they think his disciples were? Well, they thought he was like Judas Maccabeus, and they expected him to fight in a revolt like Judas. They expected Jesus to use his power, the power that he's shown through healing people and feeding people, to purify the temple, to kick out the Romans, and to establish a new kingdom. Well, that's the story beneath the story, because Jesus actually does this. Now, he doesn't do it in the way that the Maccabees did. He doesn't do it in the way that the people imagined. Rather, he overcomes the forces of all the evil in the world in only a way that God could. And he completely disarms the power of the world. When Jesus is arrested and standing in trial in front of the council of Jewish elders, he says, from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God. He is saying that even as he is arrested, even as he suffers on the cross, he is at the right hand of the power of God. Right? Not a geographic place. Rather, he's talking about the right hand of God, meaning he's sitting in the place of God's power. He's telling them in that moment, even when he seems so weak, so helpless, that he is, in fact, reigning as king, right? And then it's in that moment, Jesus does not take his throne only in Jerusalem over Israel, but Jesus is going to take his throne over all of creation. And he wears a crown of thorns to showcase God's power in that moment. Indeed, Christ purifies not only the temple with the sacrifice of his blood, but Christ is going to purify the whole world including you and me. Jesus overcomes the powers of darkness in this world. And what the Gospels want to make clear to us is that he does it by dying on the cross for you. He does it by taking on your sins and by being made a sacrifice. He allows all the powers of evil to do their best to him. And he overcomes them and he overcomes the greatest evil of all, he overcomes death by himself dying. Neither the world, nor sinful flesh, nor sinful men, nor the devil, nor even death itself defeats Christ because he is the true king. But if we find ourselves jumping from celebrating with, with palms to celebrating on Easter Sunday, we'll have missed the true display of God's power, which is right at the cross. It was there he shows his power, power which is rooted in love for us. God was not willing that we should any longer be slaves to the powers of darkness in this world, so he frees us by sending his son to die for us. This week, then, we enter into that story. We enter into the story to witness how Christ the King reigns in this world. And at the heart of that story is this. Christ is taking on all the powers and all the forces of evil in this world so that you will be delivered from them. Amen.
together let us stand and confess our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. God Almighty, Christ our Lord did not count his equality with you something to be grasped, but humbled himself. Grant us a mind like his to spurn all worldly equality in humbling ourselves to find your greater portion in the life of the world to come. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, your son humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Fix the faith of your church fast upon his death for our salvation. Enrich the proclamation of this gospel and enliven our hearts to live out this faith until Christ comes again in glory. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, your son died on the cross that we all would be called your children. Increase the faith of all Christians, mothers and fathers that they would receive Jesus for them and so be enlivened to sacrificial love for their children also. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God and King, your Son entered into Jerusalem as the true ruler, poised to lay down his life for his people. Grant that same mind to those in authority over us, that they would just discharge their duty even to the least among us, and so receive your commendation by following your will. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of hosts, your Son came to deliver his people from all evil. Take away the fear of all who suffer in this world, especially Dick and Steve, Chuck, Nancy, Kelly, Becky, Ray, Jean, Marilyn, Jean, Mike, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Monica, Jane, Steve, as they await the fullness of their salvation, fix their eyes upon their crucified Savior. Lord, in your mercy. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We praise you, Father, that you have sent your Son not in wrath, but in mercy. As we enter this most holy week and ponder together the mysteries of your great salvation, Show to us the answer to your people's prayers of Hosanna. Save now in the passion, death, resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always.
Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, Serve the Lord.